Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. And uh, it's great to see so many people here. Who, who knows there's something, there's a, there's a real sense of optimism about a new year. Does anyone love a new year? It's like you sort of say goodbye to the old year and you bring in the new year and you, you make your new year's resolutions. And uh, hopefully you see them through. But, uh, you know, really it's just another, it's just another change in date, just another day, another night's sleep or maybe another night of no sleep if you've got young kids. Uh, who knows, it doesn't matter what time they go to bed, they still wake up at the crack of dawn, so as was experienced in my house on the 1st of January. But you see, a new year, it really symbolises so much more. It's a chance to sort of say, you know, take a, a, a stock take of your life, make some changes, set some things in motion that maybe you haven't sort of had the time to do before. And you see, I love inspirational stories of people whose lives are changed. And one of the shows that uh, my wife and I used to watch a long time ago was The Biggest Loser, about people who would come into the show and they'd sort of lose a lot of weight and, and, and make some real transformational change in their life. I must admit, I was usually the one sitting there eating cookies and cream ice cream while they're having their kale and lentil salad. But, uh, you know, it was a great show seeing these people's lives change over the course of the journey and see such a, a, a transformation in their lives over that show. And as Mike said, in the month of January at Clovey, we are doing a series uh, where each communicator will be focusing on one particular word and unpacking that on uh, the Sunday services. And today I want to explore the word grace. I want to see, just sort of touch on what is grace? How is it relevant to our lives today? And I want to do this by having a look at uh, someone who was given a second chance by God's grace. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 5. Uh, it'll be on the screen uh, for you to read along. We'll start at verse 1. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which was surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here at this pool, a great number of disabled people used to lie. There was the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And there was a man who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time. So he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Now the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. And he replied, well, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So I love this passage and this miracle because it rests entirely upon the initiative and grace of Jesus. And he comes and, and, he, and, he, 
and Jesus' grace and healing power transforms this man's life who was paralyzed for a long time and he walks out of that place totally healed. And I just want to unpack that today and have a look at the theme of grace that runs through this passage. See, it begins with Jesus coming to Jerusalem for a Jewish festival, but instead of going to the temple on the Sabbath, he goes down the road to this place called Bethesda. And Bethesda has a meaning, and it means the place of mercy or the house of mercy. And there are a number of disabled and sick people around, at Bethesda around these pools, and he goes there and he surveys the crowd, and he sees one man, one man who's disabled, and the scripture actually says he learns about this condition. He learns about this man. He takes the time to stop and say, what's going on with this guy? And he learns that he'd been paralyzed for 38 years. And from my understanding, that's the longest sickness in all of the Gospels that is mentioned. And he comes to him and he asks him a question. He says to this man, do you want to get well? As I read that, I thought, that seems like a very strange question to ask. And the man, but I think the man's response was probably even a little bit stranger because he doesn't even answer the question. He probably would have made a good politician. He says, do you want to get well? And he says, well, look at all the obstacles in my way. You see, the man was at this place called Bethesda because at the time, um, it, there was a belief that when the waters of the pools of Bethesda began to stir, uh, that the, the first person into the pools would be healed. And as I did research on this passage, it, it was actually a bit of a scam set up by the Romans at the time, and they'd sort of artificially uh, stir the waters, and, and, and they'd make a little bit of money off this scam and, and giving sick people false hope. So the man, is, he's at this pool, and Jesus says, do you want to get well? And he says, well, in my understanding, I'm in the right place. I look at my condition. It's been 38 years. I've been lying on this mat. I'm paralyzed. My life circumstance says... Even if I want to get well, I can't. I'm stuck on this mat and there's no way I can actually change. You're asking me if you want to get well, but you know what? Have a look at me. I've been here for a while. I don't think change is going to come. And in this passage, I think Jesus has a listen. He doesn't have a go at the man's response. He simply turns to him and says, well, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And I love that response. He, he responds in a way that says, you know what, I can see your situation. I can see that you can't see change in your own strength. But you know what, I can bring change. And through the grace of Jesus, change was able to come. You see, that man was lying beside the pools of Bethesda. He was waiting for the waters to stir, but little did he know that Jesus, the fountain of living water, was there having a conversation with him and his life would be changed that day. You see, Jesus brings restoration, healing and hope to this paralyzed man by his grace. As you read the passage, the man, he didn't show any uh, merit for getting this healing. He didn't even ask for the healing. He didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't even answer Jesus's question. Yet Jesus chose him out of a crowd and heals him. And I think that's an amazing example of the grace of God. But what do we mean by the grace of God? What do we mean when we talk about grace? Well, we see grace in theological terms is, I suppose, defined as God's free 
and undeserved favor towards us and us not getting what we deserve. This is both in terms, I suppose, God's uh, justice and forgiveness for our sins and also in the abundance of God's blessing towards us. Essentially, God gives us what we don't deserve. And I know it's uh, very early in the year and many of us are on holiday, so I want to just illustrate grace uh, and try and unpack this uh, to give us a bit of an understanding. You see, I want you to imagine that you're driving down the road in your car. It's early in the morning. Maybe you're dropping the kids off at school and they're fighting in the back. There's crying, there's arguing. Maybe you're driving to work, singing along to your favourite tune. And all of a sudden, you look at your speedo and you're going 75 k's an hour in a 60 zone. Now, I know no one here today would have ever done that. You've got to put your imagination caps on. And as you look in your rearview mirror, there's the blue and, white, uh, blue and red flashing lights of the police car behind you. pull you over and the policeman comes over and says, look, you were going 75 in a 60 zone. You've broken the law. And you see, there's a few responses that could happen, and, and I want to look at those. See, justice, a response of justice is getting what you deserve. So the policeman, if he responds with justice, says, well, you broke the law, and what you deserve is a fine and three demerit points. And I know it's a ridiculously expensive fine, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. And that's justice. You've broken the law. You can't argue with it. You're going over the speed limit. And that is justice. But who knows, sometimes you get a policeman that shows a little bit of mercy. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. So if he showed mercy, he could say, he could see the kids in the back crying and go, oh, I feel a little bit sorry for you today. I'm going to give you a warning. You deserve a fine. You deserve the demerit points. But today, you're not going to get what you deserve. I'm going to let you off with a warning. And you go, you know, that's, a, that's the response that you want. But there's a third response and that's a response of grace. So not only could the policeman say, well, I'm not going to give you the fine. I'm going to show some mercy. But imagine if the policeman turned around and said, you know what? And here's $1,000 for you to go away on holiday on the weekend. And here's a $500 food voucher to go and sort your groceries out for the fortnight. And you know what? Here's a $100 Uber Eats voucher so you don't have to cook tonight. Who would like that? policeman to pull you over <laughs> but that's a response of grace you've broken the law he's pulled you over not only does he not give you a fine but he starts giving you all these things that you, d you don't actually deserve I don't deserve to get a holiday for breaking the law but you know what that's what grace is grace is getting what you don't deserve and I know it's a bit of a silly or simple example but the Christian faith is, is based upon God's mercy and grace for us. You see, we, all, we live in a broken world. We all fall short of God's standard. You know, Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. But through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to serve justice for our brokenness or for our sins. And God has shown mercy. We don't get what we deserve. But not only that, we get what we don't deserve. And that is grace. You see, God took the initiative and he saved us so that we don't get what we deserve. And you know what? It's not because of our works. It's not because of anything we've done. But it's entirely because of God's grace and God's mercy and his love towards us. You see, he freely gives us access to a life and a relationship with him and blessings that we don't deserve really deserve but that's the grace of God 
And that's the grace that he wants to give to each and every one of us, even today. You see, the writer of John in chapter 1, verse 16 says, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. See, God's grace is not only just to give us not what we deserve, but to give us what we don't deserve, to give us blessings. Ephesians tells us every spiritual blessing he wants to give to us. He wants to pour out his blessing and abundance in your life. You see, how do you receive this extravagant gift of grace? It's not by what we can do, but simply by accepting Jesus Christ, accepting who he is, accepting what he's done. And you see, I remember growing up and I've always found God's grace hard to understand. And perhaps it's because we live in a culture where, you know, you get what you deserve. If you work hard, you get paid and there's no such thing as a free lunch. But God's grace just just blows that out of the water and says, you get blessings and, and a life that you can't earn, you can't work towards. It's a free gift that you can accept. And I think God's grace is relevant to us today. It's relevant for our salvation and it's relevant for areas in our life that he can come and bless us and see change come through his grace. You see, a number of years ago, I had some health issues and and as I got better, I had uh, the sort of residual fatigue effects like chronic fatigue and every now and then I'd sort of just pop up and I'd be fatigued and and I'd sort of just knock me for six and, you know, it it was a pretty tough time. I had to sort of navigate and manage that in my life. And I remember as we were approaching uh, the birth of our first child just over eight years ago, I remember feeling like, man, I don't have the capacity or, or, or the strength to, you know, have additional responsibility in my life. Uh, you know, when you hear of all the, the horrible stories of the sleepless nights and all that, and I remember thinking, I, I can barely manage working nine to five. That was exhausting me, and I had these residual effects of fatigue. And I remember being quite, quite fearful and, I, and, and coming to God and saying, God, I'm not sure I've got the capacity to do this. I'm not sure I've got the strength to take on extra responsibility. And there was a verse that God gave me uh, and that I held on to. It was in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. He says, Dave, my grace is sufficient for you. My power made perfect in weakness. And I held on to that verse, and, and in the natural, I thought, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, be really struggling. I can't take on this extra responsibility. But as, you know, a son was born, all of a sudden, I really felt God's grace come in and just give me that extra capacity, that extra strength, that my health began to improve. And, and, and I look back over the last eight years, and, you know, there's child number one, child number two, child number three, and, and every time, God's grace has been sufficient. There's been times where I thought, I don't know if I can do this, but every time I feel God's grace come in and say, here's another blessing. Here's another sort of step forward in your healing process. Here's another uh, increase in your capacity. And even through that same uh, period, I've seen just just blessing in in my employment as well and opportunities and promotion. And I look back and I can honestly say, I couldn't have done any of this in my own strength, but it was by the grace of God I've been able to go on this journey of life. And we could go around the room today and, and many of us would have stories of saying, you know what, in my own strength I couldn't have done it, but God's grace has come in. God's grace has, has carried me through times in my life that have been tough or times where I needed His grace to see change. And I want to ask you this morning, at the start of 2021, what area in you, your life do you want to see change? What area in your life do you want to see uh, a, a breakthrough in? 
Maybe you've written it down as a New Year's resolution, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I don't think I can actually do that. I don't have the ability, I don't have the strength, I don't have the capacity to do that. Well, I believe this morning that by God's grace, He can bring change to areas of your life that you can't in your own strength. And He's asking you the question today, do you want to get well? Do you want to see change? Because He's here with His grace and He wants to pour that out into your life. Just like He did with the paralyzed man, by the grace of God, I believe you can see change come to areas of your life this year. See, maybe for you it's a physical healing. Maybe for you it's, a, it's an attitude you've been working on. Maybe it's an addiction that you haven't been able to break in your own strength. By God's grace, change can come. Maybe it's your uh, spiritual walk, your faith journey. You've just been hitting blocker after blocker. And you haven't been able to break through in different areas that you've been believing for. Maybe it's a relationship. You know, I believe by God's grace, you can see change this year. That He, His grace is sufficient for you. That His power can be made perfect in weakness. You see, that day, the paralyzed man was in Bethesda, the house of mercy. And Jesus' grace shone through, and he was healed. You see, after he was healed, as he, the verse says that at once he was healed, but then he had to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. He had to take action. He had to do something he hadn't done for 38 years. And I've got this mat over here, and I want to just sort of illustrate this, because the paralyzed man, he, he's here, he's having this conversation with Jesus, and he's on this mat. This has been his trusty mat for 38 years. And all of a sudden, Jesus' grace comes, and he speaks to him, and he feels something go on. But he's got to get up. He had to put some action to what was happening. And I sort of imagine he was sort of probably had a little bit of doubt. I'm pretty comfortable on this mat. It's what I know. But inside of him, he goes, I want to see that change. I want to get up and see if I can walk. And I sort of imagine he maybe bit by bit made a little bit of effort to sort of move himself around and, and test it out. His legs and imagine his hammies would have been a bit tight and he would have had to stretch out. But as he sort of began to do it, he sort of, I, I sort of picture he sort of maybe got up and it was a bit wobbly and it probably wouldn't have been pretty, but he's on this mat and he, and he begins to stand and think, oh, I, I can actually do this. I haven't done this for a while, but I'm actually standing. And I sort of think along the way, he probably had a few doubts. You know what, I, I, I'm actually, that was my security. Maybe I should go back there. But eventually he goes, you know what, I'm going to, I can stand, I can do it. I haven't done this for such a long time. And, and bit by bit, he begins to sort of stand and get his strength and his confidence. And I sort of see him, he begins to roll up his mat. And he's a bit wobbly, and I don't know how long it would have taken. It could have been a long time, but eventually he sort of stands up, and he says, well, I don't want to stay here anymore. I've got to start to walk. And he rolls his mat up, and, and I reckon the first step would have been pretty hard. And he puts a sort of test out the leg and begins to walk, but step by step, he begins to move. And I reckon he probably would have had a, had a fall or two, it probably would have been a bit wobbly, but eventually as he began to put action to the grace and the healing of God, he begins to walk 
And he walks out of that place healed. You see, responding to God's grace will require some action. It's not always going to be easy to live in the grace of God and see change come in your life. And I began to think about it. Well, why did Jesus tell him to carry the mat? Why did Jesus tell him to carry the mat? Why didn't he just leave the mat for the next person? And as you read it, it, I believe that Jesus, that carrying his mat told people who Jesus was. You see, as you read the passage, he walks through with his mat. And the Jewish leaders say, hey, who told you you could carry the mat? Isn't it surprising? They see this guy. He's been paralyzed for 38 years. And their initial response is, who said you could carry the mat? It's not like, oh, wow, how did you get healed? It's like, who told you you could carry the mat? You see, it was a Sabbath day. The Jewish rules were pretty strict. You couldn't do work on the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. And all of a sudden, this man's carrying him out. And they said, who told you that? And this was Jesus. And we could unpack this if we had time through the rest of John chapter 5. But it was Jesus' statement saying, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Son of God. I can work on the Sabbath. I can heal and bring life and obey my Father's commands. You see, carrying the mat showed Jesus showed people who Jesus was. And I believe in our lives, as we carry our mats, we can show people who Jesus is as well. You see, your mat is your testimony. Your mat is your testimony of God's grace coming in and changing your life, saving your life, turning your life around. You used to be like this, but now I've been changed. And it wasn't by my own strength, but it was entirely by the grace and the undeserved gift and the freedom that's given through Jesus Christ. You see, your testimony of the grace of God is the greatest evidence to the existence of God. You see, there's so many, uh, I suppose, arguments and, and debates about the existence of God, but I believe your testimony can be the greatest evidence of God's grace and His life changing power. You see, I want to close with just a testimony this morning of a man who grew up in Adelaide in the 1930s. And this young boy, he was profoundly deaf. And he went to school and he was bullied. Year after year, he'd be bullied and bullied. The kids would make fun of him because he was deaf. And he repeated year after year, he was the oldest in his class by a long shot. He couldn't hear. How was he going to pass the grade? And he had an abusive father and an absent mother. And eventually in his late teens, he fled to outback Australia. And he began to work as a farmhand and, and, and work in the sort of the rough conditions of outback Australia many years ago. And after a while, he worked his way up to become a shearer. And he began to shear in the sheds around Western Australia, outback South Australia, and just shear shed after shed after shed. It became very good. It was a gun shearer could do more than 200 sheep in a day by hand. And he was respected amongst, he found his place, he was respected amongst his peers, and, and he began to earn a fair bit of money. And, but he succumbed to the culture of the shearing, and I suppose the, the outback culture. And he became addicted to alcohol. So he'd earn his money and he'd blow it at the pub the next week. And gambling as well. He used to spend 
to all his time and money gambling and, 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 and drinking. And, and eventually it was such a vicious cycle. He ended up in hospital numerous times and he could not break this addiction to alcohol. And, and after a decade in Outback Australia, by his own words, he, was, he, was a, he had no purpose. He said, what is there to life? He'd been bullied his whole life. He'd, he'd now found some acceptance amongst his peers, but he, there was no purpose. There was no reason for living. And so as, try, as hard as he tried, he could not break this addiction. He was a severe alcoholic. And one weekend, he finished shearing a, a, a farm near Yorktown on the York Peninsula. And he went to the pub that Friday night and he drank. And he went to the pub Saturday morning and he drank. And Saturday night and he drank, but the pub was closed Sunday, so he bought enough to get him through so he didn't have to sober up. And as he walked down the main street of Yorktown late on a Sunday afternoon, he walked past Yorktown Baptist Church and the lights were on and people were singing. And this broken man, an alcoholic. He stunk like sweat, hadn't showered for days. No, no hope, no purpose. He says he walked down the footpath and he hid an invisible wall. He couldn't take another step. The only way he could go was through the doors, the doors of the church. And he walked in and he sat down doesn't remember much of that service. But at the end, the preacher gave a response. He said, if you need Jesus Christ to come into your life, come and meet me out the back. And this broken man made his way forward through this church. I imagine the congregation probably moved as far from, away from him as they could. He would have stunk. And that night, he gave his life to Jesus. And he said from that day on, he had a purpose. From that day on, he had hope. From that day on, he was changed. And the reason I probably get a bit too emotional is that man was my grandfather. There's some photos on the screen. A broken man, a hopeless man, an alcoholic, didn't know anything about Jesus. But by the grace of God, on that Sunday night on the York Peninsula, his life was changed. He never drank another drop in his life. He didn't suffer withdrawals from alcoholism. He was a changed man. Yes, he had his struggles. Yes, life wasn't easy. Yes, he had to put some action to the grace of God in his life. But because of the grace of God, you know, I'm here today. There's a legacy that's been left. And I praise God for His act of grace upon this man, my grandfather. See, God's grace is undeserved but freely given. You can never earn it, but He wants to give it to you today.